Welcome to episode 13 of Horror Dads. You are joined by your hosts, John and... Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of a dream come true here. We, through a Hail Mary, reached out to one of our favorite uh, singers of all time, who's also a very talented graphic designer, Matt Ryan Tobin, uh, singer of Dead and Divine and Ritual, and he kindly accepted and joined us today. So, Yeah, and if you're involved in the horror merch world as most of us are. You've certainly come across his artwork if you watch Scream Queens. Uh, yeah. Or Scream Queen. I'm sorry, you've seen his artwork? Yeah, the the new Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 Correct. Uh, film uh, or documentary. But he's super talented. He's done a lot in the space of uh, uh, vinyl record cover uh, design and stuff. And just great dude. Amazing talking to him. He was a lot of fun, very kind very humble so we appreciate his time and yeah i'm fucking bursting over it uh it would be like if my mom got to interview stevie nicks or something yeah, you know? honestly that's yeah. kind of how it felt so we are going to get to an interview with him momentarily and we are going to talk about uh canadian based horror films that's the theme of our episode today as he's uh based out of canada so we had a fun one with this didn't we jamie we did we had an amazing time yeah. um so I, some good picks in here i did not realize how many movies were produced or filmed in I know. Canada. I think so in doing research it seems like the labor laws in the US um are yeah. more stringent. Yeah, and some of the film permitting yeah issues and cost and For sure. Yeah. yeah like I had no idea like you know you you know of the obvious ones like uh, My Bloody Valentine and Black Christmas and some of those others but if you look at the list of Canadian horror films, you'll be like, holy shit, like Terror Train. I had no idea Terror Train was... Yeah, and we hit on some of those, so you guys will like it. So we're going to do an accelerated version of our typical introduction, because we want to get to the interview. Uh, typically, we edit them down, but I wanted to leave every every minute of this every one. morsel. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it was a, a, honestly, as we said, a dream come true for us. So, Jamie, family, what's going on in your world, man? So nothing too new, really. Um, I'm in my... Every July, I hit a... Um, like, I need Halloween urge. Yeah. And we start... You and I start our Halloween, like... My birthday's August 26th. And we always start it, like, immediately after that. Oh, it's so September like, 1st. Yeah, uh, exactly. I found my, a leaf on the ground. Yeah. My wife starts decorating the house. Um, one of the things, like, when we got married, I was like, listen... One little like caveat when you marry me is that we have to start decorating for Halloween like <laughs> September 1st so that's what we do um, and I'm every July I get like this itch for Halloween I want to watch all the Halloweens and all the fall shit um, but I can't because then when September rolls around I'm like oh shit I just watched this yeah um, but what I do do is I watch I typically watch Roseanne um, you know, I'm a huge Roseanne fan and Roseanne is a fall mm -hmm. show for me. It's a, Roseanne is a fall show for me. So like I can watch it in July and it won't ruin all the fall for me. And I'm just not so, into Roseanne. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally fine. Most people are probably not. Um, and what's funny is I hated Roseanne, fucking hated it. Your sister is actually the one that got me into it because she was like, okay, I know you don't like this, but watch the Halloween episodes. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then I was like, wait, I love it. So, now we're here. So, anyways, my wife has been burning pumpkin candles all through the house. 
They're on and sale like, right now. Yeah, at Bath and Body it Works. It smells. It smells amazing, but it's making it so much harder for me not to watch Halloween. Yeah, or Trick or Treat. Hold off a little yeah. longer, man. We'll get there. Um, I don't have a ton going on with the kids, but we do have a close mutual friend. We're going to talk about momentarily here, who's uh, you know, as a lot of this episode centers around music. Music is a big part of Jamie and I's life. Um, we like more, I guess, things aligned with uh, punk rock, hardcore, post-hardcore, melodic hardcore, I guess. Um, there are a lot of different definitions for it, but um, one of our very close mutual friends, his sister, a couple years back, bought uh, an X-Files book for for Finley, my oldest daughter, and both of the kids have been really, really into it. Oh. And it was written uh, by the creator of the X-Files, which is really cool. So... Yeah, that book's amazing. Yeah, we've been super into that as of late, which has been fun. Um, but what what have you been buying? Anything new recently? Um, I posted a photo to Instagram. I bought the um, a new T-shirt with it's from Halloween T-shirt Company. Which yeah, if you're into um, buying T-shirts and if you're into Halloween, most certainly check them out because everything that they have is amazing. Uh, but I bought a shirt that was designed by our boy Austin Pardon. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Frankenstein's monster, pretty much at the movies. You know, 3D wearing glasses, like 3D glasses, yeah. popcorn, and shit. So, it kind uh, of and they a... threw in, they threw in a free tote bag. Oh, amazing, man! Which I brought over some miscellaneous beers in. I like, <laughs> I did not need to use this tote bag, right? But I was like. Oh, I gotta. What can I put in this? Walk my car key <laughs> yeah. out to the car in my tote bag. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Jamie, why did you bring spare shoes to my house? Good. Like, Throw them in my tote bag. Uh, oh, my slippers. I gotta get those out. <laughs> so I, I got a gift card. I did a favor for somebody at work. I did a little graphic design piece for them, and they sent me a fifty-dollar Amazon gift card. So I snagged a few Blu-rays. With that, I got Rear Window, I got Scream 4 on Blu-ray, and I also picked up Hatchet on Blu-ray. So excited to get those. Nice. It was the only Scream available. Only only Scream available. (laughs) Uh, I also don't have that one on DVD or Blu-ray. So, oh, we just found out that I do have it on DVD, but you have my DVD. Uh, So snagged those, but my stepmother, uh, who loves me and also loves horror was bidding on an auction recently and surprised me with an original Twilight Zone poster, uh, Twilight Zone the movie poster, an original Christine movie poster, and A Serpent in the Rainbow, Wes Craven. So there are a stack of posters upstairs. And this is a real real auction. This isn't eBay. Correct. Because your your stepmom does, for people who don't know, uh, she's in the consignment, consignment world. Yeah. She owns her own business, so like she goes to real auctions. This isn't eBay. Yeah, this is not. Uh, yeah, this is not. That's, your, a, that's a good yeah. haul. Yeah, really cool stuff. Awesome. Um, what have you been watching? Uh, so I've been watching some stuff for this, obviously, but um, other than that, you know, it's again, it's just stuff I've been falling asleep to. Um, but like I said, I've been watching Roseanne. Oh, you know what I've been watching? It's a little embarrassing to say out loud, actually. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say it. Care Bears by myself. <laughs> no, I've been watching... Um, all right, so let me preface this by... I was very inspired by the Shockwaves interview with our boy Kevin Williamson. 
Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. Which is a great I just, episode. I just love, and I've been watching I Know What You Did Last Summer to death. So I started watching Dawson's Creek because <laughs> Kevin Williamson created the show. And did the first, and, he wrote the first season. Right? Yeah, and he said on the Shockwaves episode about how, <clears throat> first of all, I've never had any interest in watching this fucking show. Like Dawson's Creek, get away. But then I heard him talk about it and how he said that he put a little piece of himself into every character. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I'll go back. And we love everything our, else he's ever done. Also, so. our boys in Alone in the Dark, Mike and Maddie, have both said that they enjoy the first season. Yep. That's enough to inspire me to, honestly, anything those guys recommend or endorse, put me on board. So I've been watching it. You know, it's it's hit or miss, honestly. It's it's a lot of cringy shit from the yeah. 90s. But uh, there's one episode, I think it's episode 12. And it's like Friday the 13th. And Dawson's huge into Friday the 13th and horror. and Yeah, I, I remember something about this and one. And it's, uh, it's a great episode. You know, it has a strange collar and yeah. very Scream-esque. And also, so it in a lot of different elements. It, of, it does, yeah. for sure. And you can tell Kevin had a lot to do with... Uh, a lot of the production as well, because there's... I know what you did last summer, posters everywhere, screen posters everywhere. <laughs> That's cool. yeah. Uh, so, you get a you get a vibe from it, for sure. How cool. about you? What have you been watching? I just uh, recently watched Exorcist 3. Uh, so good. Yeah, I, I did the Joe Bob version of that. Oh, the Joe Bob, yeah. Yep. Joe Bob Briggs uh, on Shutter, so that was fun. I checked out the... Blob from the 80s again. I did get that on Blu ray. How is it? A little underwhelmed. Underwhelmed? Yeah. What? I I mean, I like the movie a whole lot. I you like got, the original. You got Entourage. That's, I think, what <laughs> yeah. fucked it up for me is Johnny Drama from Entourage is in it with that. It looks like he's wearing a wig. Yeah. That mullet. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, it's, if you've not seen it, I that. haven't seen it in a few years and I've been wanting this Blu ray. And then I came over here and I saw your Blu-ray sitting there and I yeah, was you like, can borrow uh, mine. and you said, I wouldn't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't buy the Blu-ray. <laughs> um, all right. So what are you wearing right now, man? Oh, so actually I'm wearing my, this is one of, if not the first Cavity Colors shirt that I bought and it's the Norris Spider. Yeah. It's and what's it on the says, inside uh, that counts. It's what's on the inside that counts. Yep. So it, uh, that's very relevant because you and I, we posted this to instagram but we mm. went to the drive-in last weekend we did and we um checked out the thing and christine which were back to back so i have on today it's opening day baseball i have my aaron judge shirt on i'm a yankees fan so yeah. first time i've not had a horror shirt on but um happy opening day glad you we have, have baseball to do back. Yeah. yeah so we're going to get into the episode here but before we do that we do want to call special attention to our friends very, very dear friends, my college roommate, and a few other dudes that uh, I've spent, you know, the past 15 years writing music with, a band called Cautioner. Um, they just released uh, another EP. All of EP. our closest friends. Yeah. And they're ridiculously talented. Uh, so you can find them on Spotify or on Apple Music under the band named Cautioner. They have two EPs that you can find on there. Ready to get into it, man? Let's do it, man. I can't wait. Instead of our intro song, we're going to hit a little uh, something else. Over over, yeah. so 
Okay, welcome to episode 13 of Horror Dads. We are gladly joined today by our new friend Matt Ryan Tobin. He's a graphic designer, illustrator, singer, and horror enthusiast, as well as fellow horror dad. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, man. Yeah, Matt, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. So for those that don't know, uh, Matt is a, uh, uh, saying formerly for one of our favorite bands of all time, Dead and, Divan- Dead and Divine, and uh, recently is part of the, the project called Ritual, uh, based out of Canada. And if you've not heard that, I don't know where you've been living. It's wonderful music. Get out there. Yeah, get out there. <laughs> but I guess let's start with music, man. Uh, so as the singer for Dead and Divine and Ritual, you know, did you... Did you write all the lyrics for, for both those projects? Um, well, like, I guess, what was the involvement from your end with, with both of those musical endeavors? Well, both of those bands are, are, were my babies. Like, I, um, I created them from the get-go. Um, did majority of the songwriting. I'd say about 90% of the songwriting. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely wrote all my own lyrics. That's something that I really took a lot of pride in. Um, really personal to me, um, but both of those projects, like I think by the by the end of Dead and Divine, I was the only original member from that band. Um, wow! And it, it, when it ended, um, you know, I wasn't done with music or anything, so I wanted to pursue. I kind of wanted to keep go, keep going down that same path, you know, but without all the restrictions that came with being in that band, sort of creatively, um, even though. I had uh, the biggest hand in writing the music. There were still, you know, cooks in the kitchen that didn't agree with the dishes. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, and and this, you guys were on a label at that point too, right? Versus when you did Ritual, self-produced. Yeah, self-produced. Um, we literally, me and my um, good friend uh, Skylar Semenyuk, produced the record out of our apartment. Did the oh, whole wow. thing. At our apartment. I worked on that record for about the Ritual record for about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer. Um, just because there was no, no rush or anything like that. So it was just me and him in the apartment. And I think I had maybe four songs done for the record. And, you know, I kind of reached out to friends of friends who were musicians, um, and, you know, asked them if they wanted to play live and, and be in the band. And, um, so when that ended up working out as it did, and, um, you know, we signed to a label bullet tooth, which we're still on. I mean, the band's kind of, on like a hiatus right now. Um, but, uh, and all those dudes are still in the band and we're hoping to do like, I don't want to say we're never going to do music again. We'd like to, but you know, you know how it is. You guys are both dads and, um, yeah, for sure. With my art career and everything like that. Um, it's just like the time it, being in a band, you have to devote 100% of your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I just don't have a hundred percent of my time to devote and, you know, it's something that I really, really value as well. So I don't want to do anything half-assed ever. So it's just got to be the right time, right place type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Totally understand that. I actually was surprised at how much I loved Ritual. Um, not because I doubted it at all, but because I loved, I hold Dead and Divine so close to my heart. Oh, top that five I was easily. Like, forever, uh, yeah. This Ritual, I hope this doesn't disappoint. And it did not. Yeah, I'd it, say like, for probably, I don't want to speak for Jamie, but for I will um, speak for Jamie. <laughs> I'd say probably between he and I, uh, Jason Butler, Daryl Palumbo, Keith Buckley, you like that. You're, that's, you yeah. are one. We're not trying to 
be total nerds yeah. here, but you are totally in that list of favorite oh, singers for both that of means, us. That means a lot to me. I love I love all those dudes. Jason's one of my one of my good friends. I love him more than anything in the world. That dude's the best. I was just texting him the other day, actually. Yeah, he without we, one. We've had doubt. the pleasure of meeting him several times. He's just like one of the most oh, humble, down to earth oh, dudes. Is, there is no one better. There yeah. is no one. He really is great. And he's been incredibly inspiring with his new project, Fever 333, especially during these uh, yeah. torrid times. So, yeah, he's yeah. he's amazing. He's a brilliant mind, man. He's a, he's a person that everybody should be listening to. Yeah. No doubt. For sure. So, speaking of listening to and, and lyrics and whatnot, um, are there specific, you know, like films? Like So, looking at Antimacy, which was the, the final Dead and Divine album uh, that you guys did... There's a lot of horror reference in there, um, you know, with Asphyxia Fiend um, making the Penny, Pennywise references, um, and just throughout the the entire album, there are a lot of references to uh, other dark stuff, you know, witches and ghosts and stuff. So, are there certain films that inspired you lyrically as you kind of wrote through that album? Yeah, I mean, as far as the the Pennywise reference, the It reference, I was actually reading, um, well, rereading some Stephen King during the um, production of that record. And uh, I think I read all of Pet Cemetery again during while we were recording. And then I had started it and I just remembered like, I don't know, like it had said, it had nothing to do with the new movie. Obviously this was like 10 years before that movie yeah. came out. Or, um, but I think for me, there's something about, it's kind of different now because Pennywise has become so, you know, he's like he's like the current era Freddy Krueger. He's like MTV now. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? what I was really has Freddy Krueger now. Yeah, mainstreamed yeah. his way in. Parody <laughs> himself at this point. Um, but the, <laughs> growing up, always hearing that line, um, "We all float down here. They all float down here." Oh yes, they float. Georgie. They. When you're down here with me, you There was just something like in my brain, I think as a kid, the first time I heard that, that I found so off-putting. And I, like, I couldn't, it was something like when you're trying to, de to describe a nightmare to somebody and it doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. I got the same feeling from that line. And it had nothing, like, the song has nothing to do with that book. Um, but there was just something really striking about that and how that that he, made me feel, I guess. You know what I mean? I was just like, there's something so eerie about it. And, you know, I kind of let, I wrote it down with with the intended, well, no intention, really. You know, it was kind of like a left up to interpretation in, in ways of what the song is about, you know, which is also just left up to interpretation, whatever people want to take from it. But it was really, yeah, just a really off-putting line. I, and I've always thought that. But ever since the whole, you know, resurgence of, of it and Pennywise, it's kind of it kind of dampened it a bit, I think, a little bit. I love those movies. They're, they're fantastic. But it just, I think it just... I like the first a, one. The first part one I thought was really good. Part two I was much more difficult to get through for me, but that was just for me. Yeah. yeah. But Stephen King really does that, I feel, that uh, that repetition... And he has those, they're almost like these one-liners that he'll repeat throughout his text. Um, and I know you mentioned Pet Cemetery too. That mm -hmm. that's that book, 
Jamie, I, re- I remember when we were living in Chicago, I finished that book one, like, mid-morning. I think we were coming, it was, it was like midnight, Katie and I were coming home from Ohio, <laughs> we came in the back of our apartment, and you were like, ah! Yeah, I was all messed up, because yeah. in, the, in that book, the, the line he repeats is, I, I don't know if he had a speech impediment or what, but I know that's a common thread through, through it, as well as through Pet Cemetery, like, um stuttering or uh the lisp but in pet cemetery in the book the all is the great and terrible line that he repeats over and over and over again i just i remember trying to go to bed that night and that just kept like flashing that line kept flashing in my head like it was almost like i was having fever dreams i wasn't but it just it it was so profoundly impactful and he really yeah, exactly. does that and that's the, and that's what i mean you 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 said it better than me but he does have a knack for writing these little lines that are just, I don't know, limericks or whatever, even like the thrusts his fist against the post or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's such a repetitive thing. Some Tommyknockers. My mom my mom had all the Stephen King books growing up, and I remember the Tommyknockers book, and the cover was just like a doorway with like a light glowing underneath it. And I used to lie in my room, I used to face the door like when I would lie down. And I'd always, you know, be dark in the hallway, and I'd always just wait for that light to shine through and and what would play in my head trying to go to sleep was that rhyme uh tommy knockers tommy knockers knocking at your door or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah it keep me up on i never even read the book didn't know what it was about it's too young but that line <laughs> was just terrifying to you know to a young kid you know it's like what what whatever you create in your imagination is worse you know what i mean yeah, exactly it's what you don't see yeah for sure yeah yeah um have you read The Outsider? I just finished it a couple weeks ago. No, I have not. To be honest, I, man, I have I have like maybe ten half finished books. Like so much stuff, I just don't never have the time anymore. Anytime I'm not working, if anything, I'm just turning off my brain and trying to fall asleep. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I miss it. I was telling my my wife about that the other day. I was like, I miss you know reading. Like when I used to have my apartment and things, I used to have like segregated time to sit down at the end of a work day. And I'd sit on the couch and have like either a pile of comics or um, whatever books, and I would read you know a couple chapters of each book with a T, like no joke. I would do it every night, and yeah. I just in years now. It's hard to time, find time for it, but I I've been doing Audible during quarantine, and I, that's actually how I read um, The Outsider. So I don't know if one nice. would constitute that reading or not, but it's a. Uh, it was good. Yeah, you would think we were sponsored by Audible with the amount of times John has mentioned them in the past, like, four episodes, but... <laughs> we're sponsored by no one. We've lost money doing this endeavor, and it's great, so... <laughs> I listened to the... Um, I did some artwork for uh, Waxwork Records. I did the It soundtrack artwork. Yes, And, yes. Um, again, like I told you, I I'd started reading It when we were recording Intimacy, but I, I never even got barely into it just because, you know, again, just things got in the way, but... Um, I'd read it once when I was younger and it'd been so long that I forgot. So I figured, you know what I'm going to do instead of like watching the movie, I'm going to listen to the book while I work on this. Cause it was a pretty extensive project and it was like 40 hours long, <laughs> 44 or 48 hours or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. But that, but that's great though. Audible's great. Yeah, it is for sure. Was that the one with Steven Weber narrating? It was. Yeah. yeah that's what I, I listened to like He's half of that. Up. Yeah. And Will Patton actually narrates The Outsider, so the, he gets some good... Will Patton's the dude that was the uh, sheriff in the new... Yeah, I think he did Halloween. a couple others as well. Yeah, he did Mr. Mercedes, which yeah. I went and read after, again, by read, I mean read with my ears. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, he did Mr. Mercedes as well, which is a trilogy. So I'm on the third of that trilogy now. Been cranking through. Nice. Just so much like when you're doing housework, it's like, oh, I'm gonna get electrocuted again today by swapping out all my light sockets to white from ivory, and I'll just listen to Stephen King while I do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, it is your from a family perspective, is your wife into horror? Um, and like your kids, do you see them getting into anything yet? Dude, it's really funny. I'll start off by saying when, when my wife and I started dating, I met her, um, at a bar that my band was playing. She was the bartender there and uh, just super striking kind of had like this rockabilly, maybe a, a bit of goth thing going on. Anyways, I was just like, so taken aback by her still am. But, um, I just assume sometimes, you know, when, when you see somebody that dresses a certain way, what their tastes are, you know, because they usually kind of go hand in hand. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that she liked spooky stuff because she, you know, had a lot of like, she was into Tim Burton, but like very, very um, subtly. And so I think it was Tiff. We I think it was the first year we were dating. And that year, Tiff, Lords of Salem was playing at Tiff. And uh, I got tickets to go see Lords of Salem, and I took her just thinking, you know, she likes horror movies or whatever. And um, <laughs> and we sat and, and watched Lords of Salem, and she didn't say a whole word. <laughs> Walked into that movie being like, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, I think it had some good moments, kind of, you know, there's some Kubrick-esque homages in there and things and whatever. Just, you know, I'm, I'm having my whole, like, you know, uh, filmographer discussion with her about it. <laughs> sure. And, uh, I didn't find it until much later that it was like the worst experience of her life. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I found out like not too long after that, that she wasn't into horror really. Like she likes spooky stuff, but not like not genuine horror films, but like loves, she loves Hocus Pocus and, you oh know, my God. Sure. Um, you know, Hocus Pocus is amazing. My kids is crazy is like my daughter, Ava, like she, we didn't like we have like a lot of like I have spooky stuff in my office, you know, like uh Freddy stuff and uh Chucky and things like that. But um when she was super young, I don't know how it happened, but I think she found Amber's copy of Nightmare Before Christmas and she wanted to watch it. Dude, I think she was like she must have been two years old or something. Maybe younger than that. And because um, like, we have like these drawers that have all our movies in it so she can easily get at them and break them and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah that's what happens i've seen that movie probably since it came out that wasn't a, a big film for me so i kind of put it on and she was just transfixed by it like I, I still have a video on my phone filming her watching it and like the intro when it does that this is halloween song and she's just like like bouncing up and down like like just boom, into boom, it yeah the screen and so ever since that, like, she loves, 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 loves that stuff. Like, that, um, Coraline, Paranorman, um, what else was she watching that she liked? She watched Edward Scissorhands at, like, two and a half. Um, I don't know, like, it's probably bad parenting on my part. But no, man, it's, uh, it, like, they're stuff. into what they're into, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and we listen, she knows all the words to Nightmare Before Christmas. We did a trip down to Newfoundland, um, last year, and that's all we listened to in the car, the whole... <laughs> And my son loves it too, but he's kind of a, a wild card. That's awesome. My wife loves that movie as well. We never pushed it on them. They just she just gravitated towards it naturally, and that's kind of how I did as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we uh, my 
oldest is five. She's very into Coraline and Nightmare Before Christmas. My wife's very into Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas, too. Mm. Um, my oldest, my six-year-old, he's not super into scary stuff, uh, but Monster House is one that I introduced to him at, like, the age of two. I mean, Monster House is And Monster is House great. is actually... I, I told my boss, whose son is, um, like, a couple months younger than my kid, and I was like, dude, yeah... Uh, introduce your kid to Monster House. He'll love it. And he like messaged me the next day and he was like, you had my kid watch a fucking horror movie. <laughs> he was like, that is an animated horror movie. And I was like, I don't, uh, I guess. Well, the, I, honestly, the scariest part of that movie is that old man that runs out of the house. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Nevercrack or whatever. That's, that's, that's what gets all the kids for sure. And he, they, it's like the opening band is very strong in that movie because he comes out strong. Like just start <laughs> super strong. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. But we've really been diving into Scooby. My, I completely forgot about the show Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of little offshoots that I didn't realize. Like, guess who with did, Scooby-Doo? Did you spend time with Pup Named Scooby-Doo as a kid? Because I remember watching those live. But is it, that the one where they're all young? Yeah, they're like, they're all And Red kids. Herring is like an actual yes, character. Yes, Red Herring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing <laughs> up, I, lo- I loved that. Dude, so good. And my youngest, uh, she's two, uh, she'll be three in December, but she's like really, really into Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Huh. Uh, and is that streaming somewhere? Yeah, it's on Amazon in the in the Shit. states. We found uh, in talking to another uh, friend up in Canada that the Shutter Channel in Canada is way superior to the Shutter Channel in oh, really? the states. Yeah, it's not the same. Not the same content. I just I just got it again recently to watch on um, Last Drive-In. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, dude! I watched so Exorcist good. Three on Last Drive-In yesterday. Oh, so good. So good. So you know, good. it's like I heard. I heard through through the grapevine that they're tr- they've tracked down. They actually got his um, the original tapes from Monster Vision, and they're in, in the midst of um, I don't know if transcribe is the right word, but they're they're transferring them to uh, like a more mainstream medium, like Blu-ray or something like that. That's amazing. Oh. It's but, funny because every time I want to watch, like if I have a certain movie in mind, I always think like, is it on Joe Bob first? So yeah. I, could, I would much rather watch it with Joe Bob than by my, just by myself. And it's funny, too, because you don't realize the average person. So if, if there's a person that has Shudder and you're listening right now and you don't watch Joe Bob, go on there and look at the movies that they cover because your library is going to triple in size because oh, they yeah. cover so many films on that show. Yeah. And they're really good ones. I just watched that Exorcist 3 one, actually. And we're... Good. I didn't realize that uh, we are going to talk about a film in a little bit here with the main character from Exorcist 3 is also in this movie. Also, that talk towards about. that last half of... I've, I've never watched the movie that we're going to talk about. I don't want to spoil it, I guess, but I have never watched it in full. I always fall asleep. I, this is ridiculous to say out loud. We're going to talk about Patton. But, <laughs> but uh, that last half, I guess we'll get there, but it has a very like Exorcist 3 vibes. Yeah, when he starts yeah. like going around and interviewing people. Yeah, the curtains the curtains get pulled back pretty hard in that third act. For sure. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, the last thing I'll say about kid friendly horror is, I, Matt, are you a fan of the Burbs, Tom Hanks? Oh, obviously. Oh. Yeah, that is. That touches all the the points for all of us. The late eighties, early nineties. Uh, you know, horror, like, fun horror nostalgia. God damn, yeah. that movie's great. 
I think that movie's in my top two. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, depending on the day and the hour. Depending on the season. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, early summer, it is oh, the God. number one. I, yeah. I, I'm not kidding. I think I've watched it, like, <laughs> without exaggeration, 19 times this year alone. But my oldest daughter loves Queenie, the dog. So when yeah. we go on bike rides to the neighborhood, uh, anytime she sees a white dog, she says Queenie. But she's, like, really into that movie, and I feel like it's a great uh, little gateway because it was for me, so I, I hope uh, it was for her. I think my, like, as a kid, like, as far as kid-friendly, because I, I started watching horror pretty young, but kid-friendly ones, like, in the 90s for me was, like, The Burbs, um, Ernest Scared Stupid, and Little oh, Monsters. Yeah. Was yeah. Little, Little Monsters, I had rented that thing so many times. You know, I think we, we, we might as well have owned it, you know? For sure. Yeah, it's such a, a funny concept of going in and... And finding that your tape, like, it was like someone took your girlfriend out. You're like, who has my tape? Like, damn it, I'm here for this again, and someone else has it. <laughs> That's a good, it's a good analogy. Um, so we can jump to the graphic design element of your career, I guess. But, you know, talk about how you found that part of your career. Did it intersect with music? Um, how did that sort of Yeah, shape? well, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, my career's kind of like a melting pot of all my interests, really. So I've always been, um, I guess, a creative person from a young age. I always enjoyed art and drawing. And, um, and that, that, was all, that was always there. And when I was in high school, like, the, the classes that I really excelled at were, like, you know, creative English and art and film. So there was we had a, a class called ComTech where we used to be able to make movies. Um, and for the longest time, I actually wanted to be um, in film, um, but the band took off like midway through high school or towards the end of high school. Um, but, uh, as far as the graphic design goes, essentially what happened was, I think I had fallen out of drawing for a couple of years. You know, I was only really drawing in school. Um, and then our band, we needed t-shirts and we couldn't afford to pay anybody to design t-shirts. So I, I, um, you know, uh, I had Photoshop cause I, I got pretty good at like designing websites and things like that. I just, I think it was like an, obsessive compulsive thing for me designing websites html and code and all that kind of thing um but i always enjoyed designing them so i had the photoshop and i was like okay well i'll start doing some t-shirt designs and learning how to prep for screen printing and things like that and um so i started doing merch for the band and then when we were, would be on tour with other bands they'd you know just ask like who does your design work and be like well matt matt does it and, you know, when we were touring, I had no job, like music was my job. So, but, you know, you don't make very much money on the road. So, you know, just by word of mouth and touring with bands, you'd start designing, or I would start designing merch for the bands that we were on tour with. And they would just, you know, word would kind of spread. And then I eventually started designing for a lot bigger bands like uh, Under Oath, All That Remains, As I Lay Dying. And from playing with those guys, and then, you know, they just kind of snowballed from there. So... That's kind of where how my design career started, um, but and I can say this: being having been in a band, working for bands most of the time sucks. <laughs> so yeah, it, it doesn't allow for a lot of creative, um, uh, like it, it doesn't let you really relieve those creative burdens that you need to do. Do you know what I mean? It's very by the numbers. Oh, um, for sure. We, so I recently just did a album for a band that I absolutely love called He Is Legend. Oh my god! 
And uh, I haven't done like album artwork for a band in a very long time, but when I spoke to Skylar, the, the singer of that band, um, we just gelled, and he told me he had this whole concept behind the record, and my mind just started like just sparks letting off everywhere, and I kind of told him what I was thinking, and he was just like, go for it. And I literally spent so long, and like did a lot of sort of mixed media um, art with that. Like I was like, you know, piecing things together and gluing ransom notey scrapbook stuff destroying it scanning it i just built like this whole story based on this concept and like i sent it to them and they're just like golden you know not a single revision like <laughs> so that was that was so much fun to do but that's like super rare that that happens so i don't really do too much band work anymore yeah love that band though love that album yeah, stuff love like that, that would artwork, be artwork. yeah stuff like that would be so fun i remember listening to white bat right when it came out and then afterwards i saw on your social media you know, you mentioning doing the design work and stuff, and I was like, makes this even better. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever, if, if you listen to vinyl at all, but I urge you to pick that album up on vinyl and because and, the, the artwork's pretty extensive and it just it tells the story and it's a pretty cool, pretty cool concept. Excuse me while I order it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we definitely, I, I'd say for me, I collect mostly horror, horror vinyls, so spent a lot of time. I know we mentioned waxwork and uh, you, you do a lot of work with Mondo, but spent a lot of time purchasing from both of those outlets because uh, just collecting the the horror. Yeah, album. John and I are not like super, like there are people on online and shit that are like super fucking collectors. Yeah. John and I with kids and like we we didn't really get into um, financial stability until later in life. So like yeah. we <laughs> we got into collecting late, but like uh, those are some of the things that we and we mostly seek out shit done by our favorite artists like uh if we see something designed by you or like ghoulish gary we're always like our interest gotta have it yeah Yeah. gotta have it (laughs) which is cool yeah which is awesome because uh you don't even realize you probably have a lot of fans out there that seek your artwork out without you even knowing it you know and it's probably that they don't even know it yeah exactly they They look at it they're like oh i love this style i love this thing and then if you were to matrix it out they'd be like oh shit i have like 10 well, like we Ghoulish had mentioned Gary's to a couple of friends that yeah. we were interviewing you and they were like, oh, what's, you know, what's he done? And they would, they looked through your portfolio and they were like, oh shit, I've seen a lot of this. I yeah. just didn't realize it was him. Cool. So that's awesome. Now, as far as the horror artwork and the design aspect there, did you like, did you want to get into doing horror designs or is that something that just kind of found you? Um, like I know, I know the partnership with Mondo kind of facilitated that. Well, the I think I've been designing posters for about like like horror art for about I'd say maybe around four years before I started working with Mondo. Um, I'd worked with a, a couple of galleries, Hero Complex Gallery, um, Bottleneck Gallery, um, and then doing a lot of private commission work, poster private commission work. But I can't remember when like it became a like I was kind of only doing horror stuff. I don't know when. Can't, I don't think I can trace that back to like a, a specific moment, but I think just with, with horror films in general, like there is so much artistically to pull from. Like there's just so much mood yeah. and story and concept to draw from with those types of films that they just, they beg for great art, you know? And I think like, I think a lot of the, the poster movement in general has horror to thank because a lot of the really early stuff was mostly horror you know so um it almost is too like i feel thematically for all the things we're talking about and for for me at least i do feel like 
the horror genre in terms of film and, and like the hardcore or post hardcore or melodic, you know, the metal components. Like, I feel like that style of, of music is to music what horror is to film. At, it's like almost an expulsion of, of emotion. And it's like, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I write music at this stage in my life, a, because I want to, but also B cause I kind of have to, and it's just an outlet that allows me to kind of like spill out some, some things that have been building up, um, you know, whether it's emotionally or, or, or mentally, it's just a great outlet to kind of just let it out and lay it out. Yeah, I completely agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's a release, you know. Yeah. So that, that's a cool um, it's a cool thought and a cool intersection for, mm-hmm. for what we're talking about here. You so, know what else I love about... Uh, some like even some of the non horror stuff that you do still has like horror elements to the artwork, like the the penguin design that you did. Mm-hmm. Like, that is fucking that is horror. And the <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That like, penguin though is devil. a very upsetting character in general. <laughs> Who is the penguin? The penguin. Like the, yeah. the yeah. Tim Burton penguin is. He's, <laughs> but he's you made him even more upsetting looking. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like that you, character got got all like the Batman Returns toys banned from McDonald's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. McDonald's license because of the penguin, because he was too scary. My dad always tells a story about how I was uh, really into the original Batman that came out, and then when Returns came out, I he said I kept pestering him. I was like, Batman, 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 Batman. So he goes, uh, he he says I took you to the theater. I, I don't know what year it came out, but I was probably young, like maybe five oh, definitely yeah four or five um and he said because that that introduction scene with the sewers and the snow like it's very ominous and the music mm-hmm. is overwhelming but he yeah. said uh he's like you jumped in my lap and were shaking like a leaf and wanted to leave but he's like but you kept talking about it and i knew you needed to be there to see it so we stuck through it but yeah no you little oh, shit awesome. i paid eight <laughs> bucks so you're watching this you're watching this movie <laughs> <laughs> Might not be awesome at the time, but in retrospect, you know, it was probably you know, good on him for not just being like, okay, well, you know, I've got to hide you from this type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a formative experience, I guess. <laughs> yeah, my dad shoved me on a roller coaster that I, I wouldn't shut up about called Top Gun here at Canada's Wonderland when I was a kid. Never been on a roller coaster in my life, and it was like one of the fastest ones. I got on it. It's too small to be on it in the first place, and like my head was smashed around, and I was I was absolutely. <laughs> when I saw it in person and I said no 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 I'm not going on that and he's like you're getting on that roller coaster he's like you're going <laughs> yeah you paid for these tickets so you could come get on this fucking thing and you're gonna get on it right now <laughs> was that was so I that... like the screaming down my face he was pretty 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 apologetic at that point <laughs> was that roller coaster uh, like movie themed yeah it's Top Gun because, because we had one at uh, Kings Island and in Cincinnati no, Ohio? not the one in Cincinnati. It was the one down in Virginia, I think. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was Cincinnati. Who, who here we knows? go. This is one of those fucking stories. Anyways. You're going to find out here, Matt, real quick, that Jamie, I've known him like 15 years, and he was always like, oh, I didn't tell you about the fact that I have a fake right hand. And you're like, how do I not know this? I've known you forever. But go ahead, Jamie. This, now now you built this up. It's fucking nothing. Anyways, the point is we have we had one of these when I was a kid in Kings Island, and I, remember, I, I fucking love Top Gun, the movie. And I remember standing in line, and like the whole time it's playing that goddamn song. 
And by the yep. end, you're like, okay, listen, I love this song, but shut the fuck up now. <laughs> uh, but like the once you get like to that upper echelon of the line, you know how yeah. like the line's like two hours long. Once you get towards the end, it's like you're on an aircraft carrier and there's like fucking smoke coming up, and it's like, oh, this is. So you're just. In I'm it. in the movie. <laughs> I am Maverick. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, so I guess jumping back to the design component of things, do you have? Let's talk about roller coasters some more. Speaking of roller coasters, <laughs> um, but from a de- design perspective, do you have um, certain, uh, you know, like graphic designers that you look up to or inspirations? And actually, I'd be curious to know both graphic design as well as uh, musicians. Like, are there other bands that you really are inspired by? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it's funny because these guys know it already. Like, they know how much I adore them. But, like, you know, there's a handful of artists who. I met way before I started my poster career. I met them at conventions and things like that. Um, uh, one being Jason Edmiston, uh, Gary Pullen, and Justin Erickson from Phantom City Creative. Um, Paige as well, but I hadn't met Paige early on. Um, and then uh, one of my good friends, James Reem Davis. So those those four artists um, essentially like just inspired me to to do what I'm doing now. You know, I saw their work and the first thing that came into my brain was, holy shit, how, how do I do what they're doing? Because this stuff is incredible. And, you know, I got to meet these people early on. It's funny because we're all good friends now. We do things around Christmas together and like, yeah, for sure. Consider them very, very, very close friends, you know? And, um, but there was a point where I was like their shadow for a long time, you know, bugging them at conventions and picking their brain about things. And they were always so supportive and, they're just wonderful people. So it's really, it's really nice when you meet, um, you know, your mentor or like, sorry, I consider them my mentors now, but, um, when you meet your idol and and they just blow your expectations out of the water, you know? So I'm really lucky that, you know, I got to meet, um, them because if if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd have a career because it was all because of like their advice and their, um, you know, uh, their, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Their 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 push to me against me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah yeah. Oh, sure. Those I mean, but but since like those are you know some of the first artists I ever met. Like I I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of wonderfully talented and, and amazing artists and people through this career. You know um, if there's too many to name honestly, so it, it would make it hard. And I'd leave. I know I'd leave someone out accidentally, but yeah, those those guys. I mean, they're still cranking out work, and I'm like, holy shit, like. You know, how, how do they do that? And, like, I got to get better. Do you know what I mean? You let their work push you. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like you just collaborated recently. I think you released a couple days ago. Um, you cohabitated some sort of design with uh, Ghoulish Gary, right? Um, something that you guys just yeah, released? It was um, it was Daniel Danger's um, um, whole shebang, whole thing. Um, we have, like, a, a sort of secret artist chat on Slack, we're all the sort of Mondo artists and surrounding friends artists. Uh, we kind of all shoot the shit, talk design, talk life, the world, everything going on. And we were really sort of in this chat during the whole lockdown and isolation and stuff. We were all talking a lot more and, and Daniel conjured up this idea to do a collaborative poster and get everybody involved. And it went from like 12 artists to, you know, 28 artists and doing two posters and, it's a, such a great idea. He's he's such a brilliant mind, that dude, Daniel. Um, and so, yeah, me, Gary, Justin, um, Sarah Deck, 
uh, like as far as like the Canadians, um, we're all on there, and um, you know so many incredible artists: Jack Hughes, Rory Kurtz. Um, you know, yeah, see, too many names. If I forget one, then I'm a dick. So <laughs> yeah, but so it was like the concept is basically like this this dollhouse perspective, and everyone I guess was assigned a room, and you kind of designed yeah. your room, but they're all thematically intertwined so it's really really cool so uh yeah, check that out for sure. because there were no guidelines essentially it was just you know, right everyone's assigned a square you know the squares all have different perspectives so do what thou wilt with with the space um but it's weird because a lot of it like linked up unintentionally too like the rooms just like either like they were you know like bent or sorry i'm like melding into each other like it just worked it worked really well and considering there's so many unique styles in there too, I don't know, man. It's such a great idea. Super, super stoked that I was able to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. And then musicians, uh, any specific inspirations? If you had to pick a, a couple of those, oh, I'd say musically, from like the, the person that maybe want to pick up guitar was definitely Billy Corgan. Smashing Pumpkins are sure. my favorite band in the whole world. I, I've made a joke before about like when I die, like my tombstone will say like really like love the smashing pumpkins and villain like that's that's what i'll be <laughs> anytime anything smashing pumpkins bad or good happens like some i got like 30 people tweeting at me and or messaging me or whatever i'm like yeah i know i know yeah <laughs> you know um so he was a big one for me musically and then i started singing because of two two singers one was daniel johns from silver chair um yeah for sure I got their album Neon Ballroom, and it's just it's still to this day a fucking overlooked masterpiece. Um, the dude was like 18 when he wrote that record, and it's insane. He's got like one of the most incredible voices ever. It's like a young, like a young Jeff Buckley. Well, Jeff Buckley was young, was always young, would be forever young. But um, and then I'd say like Chino Marino is probably mm. a really big one for me too from Deftones. Yeah, um, we were just talking about of, Deftones this weekend quite a bit, yeah. I can hear some Chino in your uh, your delivery for sure. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> oh, I, as you should. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we love Deftones. Oh, God. As well as your work, so. Um, I've been listening to Diamond Eyes, like, really heavy recently, so. Oh, it's such a great record. It's so good. Yeah, and you just told me what the other day, White Pony just turned, what, 25 years old? Or... Uh, yeah, 20 or 25. 20. I, don't, I don't know what the anniversary 20. was, but. God, where does time go? That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's my favorite Deftones record too. I mean, I think you know a lot of people will like. I find they latch onto records or bands eras because of nostalgia, you know, and like that's that record for me. But I honestly think that like Diamond Eyes is their their best album, like musically, just as a band, as a music, as musicians, who have like honed in on their sound. You know what I mean? Oh man, yeah, it's it's got a maturity to it too. Like songs like Risk. Oh yep. man. Oh, yep. one band I guess we left out from our perspective. I don't, I don't know if you listened uh, or got into Lower Definition much, oh, um, but God. I I love that band. Oh yeah, uh, our buddies Willie and Justin were talking about that. They said they took a photo with you on that tour. Oh, yeah. and, they, and they said you did some sort of weird like uh, cross-eyed like look, look cross-eyed pose. I think Justin said he has the picture. We should yeah, we'll send we it to you if we can find it. Oh God. Yeah, I know. You know, it's one of those situations where it was like, I'm just going to make an ugly face so people can. <laughs> I can't imagine how many fucking pictures you have to take. They just did a reunion like, tour uh, two years ago, so they played in December. I remember in San Diego because they're out in California. Oh, because we were talking about going to. But that. that was the year my 
my youngest was born, remember? Yeah, and she was yeah. born December 6th. So had we gone, I would have missed the birth. And that's why, obviously, I didn't go. Because uh-huh. And she came three weeks early. So it was one of those, like, oh, do, do you risk you it? You always but have obviously kids, no. right? At the, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your oldest daughter was born during Riot Fest, or like right yeah. about. And, and we, we were like, we can always we go, go to Riot Fest in Chicago. Like a week. Can we make it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, or you like you just get it by the skin of your teeth, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think I when before my daughter was born, I think she, she was born on Friday the thirteenth. When she so, was born on Friday the thirteenth. Uh, yeah, born on Friday the thirteenth. That January is 30th. incredible. And um, and uh, I think it was Wednesday. I went out with my friends because I don't know. Maybe you guys can attest to this, but when you have your first kid, like when you're you know your wife or your girlfriend's pregnant and. You have your first child. It, it never seems real for, especially for the man. I don't think you know because we're we're not going through it really. So no. I, I feel like we don't take it as seriously sometimes. At least that first the first time. You know what I mean? And so like I remember going out with my friends Wednesday night and absolutely getting getting way too drunk, way too drunk. <laughs> so drunk that I was yeah. hungover for like all of Thursday, like. All of Thursday, like I couldn't get out of bed, like I was throwing up, like you know, I don't drink like that anymore whatsoever. But um, <laughs> it was just a bad, one of those bad. I drank too much nights, and I just remember like it was like God, what time did we wake up? Like two a.m. Friday, we rushed to the hospital or something like that. I don't remember. That was all a blur now. Yeah. But uh, it was like it was one day. If I had been, <laughs> if I had gone up the Thursday, you know, and had to go to the hospital and, and hung over. Oh, I can't imagine. I, Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, so. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. our first, I had, I was working in Cleveland at the time, so I had like a little bit of a commute, but I remember coming home and my wife was like, I think, I think now's the time. And I remember feeling like, this isn't good for me. So does it have to be the time? Like, I'm tired. Well, that's you all I the just, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously now being a father of two and having gone through this twice, like that is just not how it works. And like. Yeah, your time is not your own anymore, and you have to sacrifice. And absolutely, yeah, they're great, but it's challenging. But isn't it funny now? You look and you think like, what do people without kids? What the fuck do they do? What like <laughs> so they can do in anything quarantine? they want. If they want to play tennis, they can go play fucking tennis. I can't do like, shit. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you get a bit of a complex too? Like you say, like, what the fuck do people do? But that also comes with like the backhanded comment of like. You're doing nothing with your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have kids. What are you doing with yeah. your life? Yeah. yeah. No, you don't. You don't ask people that. It's like, like do you just you play know. with the cat all day? Is that you dress up your cat? Give it. Well, this, this is kind of funny. So, just I just remember this now because you guys made a comment at the Friday the Thirteenth thing. So, my son was born July fifteenth, and the Friday before that would have been Friday the Thirteenth. Mm. Oh, dude. So, so we, you, I mean, we were, you were probably like, like, what would the odds right. have been? Jesus. I was like, let's go. Let's go. You know? <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to head there and, just to see? Yeah. But then, you know, because my brain, you know, I was like, well, like, there's got to be some weird 13 thing or something. So then I was like, you know, it's which is a stretch. But I'm like, if you so if you take July 15th, which is 0715, and you add it all together, you get 13. Well, you know what else is 13? This episode. So. No, oh, there you there go. go. Oh. God damn. Yeah. Um, my kid was born October 9th, and I just kept, like, wanting oh. it to stay in there till the 31st. And now I'm actually yeah. really glad that his birthday is not Halloween because it would detract from Halloween a little bit. Like, hey, quit being selfish with your birthday, bud. It's Halloween. 
I also feel like October is the worst month because I'm just depressed that it's going to be over. You know what I mean? Because I, I instantly, like, once the 10th of October hits after Rylan's birthday, I'm like, oh, God, it's coming I, and it's going. I, yeah, John and I, like, we stress about Halloween because it's going to be over. Did I do enough? Like, Halloween <laughs> itself is, like, almost a depressing day because it's, yeah. like... Do you guys go all out with your houses for Halloween? Uh, sometimes. You guys, you guys like the, the house to go to on your respective streets? Uh, We do enough, We don't I do think. much outside. We do more inside, I would say. Yeah. Because it's tough, and we've actually, like, we've had serious conversations, my wife and I have had serious conversations, and I think her perspective is, like, listen, if you want to take the kids trick-or-treating, then you can't be the house to be at unless, like, I stay right. home. Yeah. And it's such right. an event right now for the kids to, I, I feel like in, you know, I feel 10 like years. When, yeah, when I'm, like, 60, I'll, I'll be like that creep <laughs> sitting on my porch. You're gonna be the smiling at the Monster kids. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, "Oh God, Mister Nevercracker." <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I, don't, I was telling myself like, we just moved this year. We moved well, not this year, November, and we moved to this beautiful neighborhood. We're like, it's like we're on like this wraparound street, and so we're just surrounded by homes. And I'm like, man, this this um, city that we live in must be like just awesome around Halloween. And I keep telling myself like, we're gonna be the Halloween house, like. We're gonna. I'm gonna set up the garage. It's like a mini haunted house. <laughs> you know, all these, all these delusions of grandeur. You know, Halloween grandeur. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I'm just definitely too lazy. <laughs> do you uh, do you dress up every year? Uh, the la- the well, we have Halloween parties. You know that we go to and stuff. Um, last year, I actually dressed up as Jason Edmiston, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'll put like I have like a Freddy Krueger sweater and, and stuff I'll put on at, at the door. But you know, the last two years I've just been taking my daughter trick or treating, and she just loves it so much that I get way more satisfaction from that. You know, oh god, Same. it's so yeah. it's so great. I just she's got that funny like like sort of reserved thing like at the beginning of the night, like when she sees people's decorations and like the music, and she's like, oh, I don't know, for but sure. She, but she's intrigued, right? Like she's always been intrigued by that stuff. So then. By like the third or fifth house, she's like, "Let's go to the next one. Let's go yeah, to this one." You're this yeah, one. Keep trying yeah to keep by the end, they're just yeah. like barreling through the decorations and yeah, yeah, yeah that's so a awesome. good time. Do you have a, right. a favorite? Uh, so we talked about Friday Thirteenth. Do, do you have a favorite franchise? Um, I'd say probably Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a good one. I mean, it's one of the core three for yeah. sure. Yeah, that was that was a, a big one for me. Um, what's your uh, favorite? Man, what's your favorite movie of the franchise? Oh, that's hard. I, really. I know. I know that's hard. Yours? No, I could. Normally, I could tell you. I would normally. I would say number three. I would say Dream Warriors. But we thought that uh, too until we started doing this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of moved around a lot for me. Honestly, I really, as of late, really gravitated towards part two. That's my um, favorite for sure. I love part two so much, and that was actually the first one I ever saw. But man, I don't. It's. Freddy's Dead was a big one for me too. As as much as people hate that film, like, you know, I I love Freddy's Dead. But if if it really comes down to it, I mean, probably the first one. I don't know. See, see what I mean? I'm jumping all over. Yeah. Well, see, that's exactly Depends what we on do. The like, hour. <laughs> yeah, it. I tell John all the time because he'll always want to make these lists and like ask me what my favorite is, and I'm like, dude, like right now I'm going to tell you this, but tomorrow it'll be probably different. And, and then, then I if I watch through, it, yeah, and then I talk shit on you. Yeah, and then John will be like, oh yeah, two weeks ago you said two. But I'm the same way because I, yeah. I flop around too. But um, I would say I think Dream Master is my favorite one. I think Dream Master's effects are the best in the whole franchise. Four, yeah. yeah. I it, What's funny is I always thought three was my favorite. I went, I went through 
uh, recently, and then I was like, wait, I fucking love four, but it also comes down to which one you have watched the most, and like I've easily watched Dream Warriors the most. Until recently, well, I feel like I've watched part two so much recently. Oh, it's it's so accessible. It it was stream. It was the only one streaming for a while. I remember I, when I first got to college, and I talk about this all the time, so everyone's probably sick of hearing about this. But when I first got to college on Netflix in the United States, like it was the only Nightmare on Elm Street on Netflix. Yeah, and I watched the hell out of it, and that was such a critical time in my life, and I loved it. And then this most recent documentary that came out, and you know, Matt, you did some artwork for it, the Scream Queen. It's uh, now oh. I feel like. Now I, you hold like a person. I stand there like yeah. Superman thinking like, well, I told you all. It's the best <laughs> one. Yeah, I've always liked part two. I never had a I mean, maybe it has to do with that. That was the first one I ever saw as well. So, but I always thought it was fucking scary. Like, I think it's the scariest Freddy Krueger film so in general scary. in terms of how he looks. Um, there's no, there's like almost zero moments of levity in that whole movie. Like, there's a couple of parts where like they're in the classroom with Jesse and like, flips off um brady and like there's a couple little things but there's no that movie's dark man it's a dark film yeah it really is dark yeah yeah i remember when i um actually i i used to have a pretty massive nightmare on elm street collection like just like figures and dolls and toys and probably upwards of like i'm gonna say like nine grand worth of stuff oh my gosh holy shit really big collection i think but it, it was weird i think it was um, I just like got my first apartment and I just fixated on collecting. It was like when I first really started collecting and I was collecting a lot of like nineties toys. I still got a few of them. Like I have all the toxic Avenger or toxic crusader figures and, and last action hero figures all still boxed. Oh boxed. dude. Nice. Last action yeah. hero. And then Freddie, I just gravitated towards uh, like those films again. Maybe it was nostalgia and I was living on my own. So I could do what I want. And, you know, I was making, <laughs> money my rent was dirt cheap and but i've sold like 75 percent of that off now i only kept yeah like key pieces stuff that's worth anything and i'm probably just gonna save that up for kids college and things like that yeah you know do you do you still collect like is there anything is there certain merch that you seek out now or no not really no i just don't have the, the space for like i my office is actually a pretty decent size here in our new house but um, I'm also at getting to that like minimalist age, man, where sure. yeah. I don't like a lot of stuff in my office. Like I have a, like a, a gremlin, one of the life-size gremlins on the wall and that, that good guy doll that trick or treat put out. I have that in here. And <laughs> yeah. Full <laughs> string Freddy. That's one of the things that I kept because that, that's just awesome. Um, but not a lot of, no, I've kept it kind of minimalist and any of the, the old Freddy stuff that's worth anything are in tubs in our storage, um, wow. like sealed up tight keep their uh make sure that they don't uh, devalue or whatever for sure yeah i'm not i don't get too into the toys like i i would love them but it's like just one of those things i'm not i they, don't they, space for them yeah, my kids are gonna want to play sure. with them. Yeah, yeah exactly and then they're grabbing them like and pulling my, the heads off. my funkos right now my i i those funko pops are cool um i would have never started collecting those my boss bought not me one into, like that art style yeah that much. for sure yeah my boss bought me one uh i don't know what it was freddy krueger or something and um then my wife started buying me all the core like horror figures. Well, now my two year old, they are now his. Yeah. Um, and he sleeps with them and shit. Like he wants to put them in his crib. So like yeah. I started at first, I was like really protective. Like no, like you're gonna lose because I have Gage in church. And I was like you're gonna lose church. Like that's too. And then I was like you know what, fuck it. Like just they're yeah, yours now. 
you just stop caring yeah. altogether. I mean, like, yeah, I've uh, given my kids a bunch of my old toys, and I, I got more that I want to give him when he's a little bit older. I got all like those NECA Gremlins, Mogwai figures, and some RoboCop and oh, things man. like that that are just sitting in boxes. In nobody you know, still, he's only two, so he just loves throwing shit everywhere and yep. breaking it's the floor. Yes. So <laughs> for sure, yes and yes. My uh, Funko Pennywise, like his head is now just permanently off because the two-year-old got a hold of it. So I've got this uh, Freddy Krueger here in the podcast space I'm pointing at um, that my stepmother bought for me for my high school graduation, I recall. And his head comes off, and my oldest grabbed it the other day. It fell on the ground. Actually, your son was here, Jamie. Um, and uh, his head popped off, and they both were like, Oh, shit! <laughs> and I was like, no, no, it's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know they didn't really say oh shit. But I know, no, but like that was the, saying that. Yeah. yeah, that was the general <laughs> gist of it. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna jump into some movies here um, that we're gonna talk about some Canadian based films. As as Matt, you're Canadian based. Also, but... holy hell, are there a lot of movies that I didn't realize that were produced and made in Canada? What, so we're, many. We're gonna hit some runners up in a second. No, we're but, gonna talk about it right now, John. But Jamie, if you would just back <laughs> off for twenty seconds. Uh, Matt, plug your stuff. Where can people find you? What can people buy from you? Uh, musically, uh, graphic design-wise, go ahead and plug, plug what you see fit. Uh, I mean, the best best way I can plug is just my social media because there's you know that's where all the information is. So it's like Instagram slash uh, forward slash Matt Ryan um, or works of Matt Ryan.com. has got a link to all my socials there just because a lot of the stuff that uh, – I can't really talk about the things that I'm working on until they come out. So there's not much to plug at the moment, um, but that's where stuff will be. So that's probably your best bet. And in terms of um, our socials are kind of comatose right now for for the music, but uh, I think you can go to uh, Instagram.com slash we are ritual band. I believe that's the, I think that's it. We are ritual or we are ritual band. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you look for Ritual on Apple Music, it's kind of tough to find. It's the red cover. It's all red. Yeah, yep. and uh, you will be very pleased when you listen to it. But you guys have a new song. Uh, did it drop? Queens of the Stone Age cover? Yeah, August 21st. Yeah, so we did. We used to play that cover live all the time. It's Feel Good, Hit of the Summer by Queens of the Stone Age. Um, it's just a fun live song. The whole thing's two chords. There's one line of lyrics that just repeats the whole time. <laughs> Um, it's just a you know crowd pleaser and it's easy to learn. You should just dig around at jam. So when we were doing the record, we recorded a version of it that we just planned to release maybe on like a, a 45, like a seven inch or something. But uh, it just never happened. So like you know what we're like, let's just it's kind of a bummer year. Let's just release a little something that's you know fun. You can bang your head to, and you know anybody who's a fan of the band or whatever can have something kind of new to hear. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah us and our friend group we're all huge fans of yours and um, both bands and everyone was like messaging each other. Like, have you guys seen this? Holy shit. So actually the day you guys released that was the day that we first talked and I was like, talk to him today about it. No big deal guys. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also real quick, if anyone's listening and they're like, uh, want to know what Matt has designed and done previous work, you can go to works of Matt and get but some of the stuff collection. that we own, Jamie, uh, Friday 13th Part 5 vinyl uh, cover, um, the It vinyl. I, I know that I always held that one, the Part 5. Of all my Jason vinyls, or 
Friday the 13th vinyls. That's the one I always, like, hold closest to me. I, and, like, when people, like, when they're, like, looking through my vinyls, I'm like, Matt Ryan did that one. And this is before <laughs> we even talked. It's just, like, yeah. that's my, like, I boast about it all the time. Uh, yeah, thanks. Gary Gary Pullen did this one, and then uh, Matt Ryan did this one, of course. And also, don't touch it. And yeah. if you look at it wrong, I'll Mitt's slap you in the face. Don't touch it. You've seen enough of that one. Still <laughs> <laughs> got oh. the old tag on it. <laughs> yeah, keep it in the plastic sleeve. That's Spinal Tap for you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so Canadian horror films. We're going to talk about a couple runners up first. Um, films that. So we're going to hit uh, three films that Matt Matt picked for us. These are not his three favorite films. They are just as is on theme with typically what we do when we interview people. We're going to talk about his three favorite of the kind of subgenre, I guess that we collectively um assigned to ourselves here but a few runners up uh canadian based films either that took place in canada or were filmed in canada happy birthday to me which is a goodie uh the fly i mean really cronenberg in general but the fly which is uh something i recently rewatched and was eating a sandwich while i was watching it and was terribly disappointed in the sandwich oh, as i was dude. doing it because holy hell do not eat while watching no that. don't eat oh. and watch that movie um, Terror Train, which is one of the earlier films I saw. I remember my aunt showing me that movie. It's a great, great film. Um, Prom Night, My Bloody Valentine, which is one of the more notable ones. And in terms of newer stuff, Summer of 84. I don't know if a lot of folks have seen that, but that is a, a really fun one. It's kind of a Stranger Things-esque, you know, Stand By Me sort of uh, friendship-based sort of 80s throwback film. And then uh, Ginger Snaps and one of Jamie and I's favorites for some reason, Grave Encounters. <laughs> you know what's funny is I was going to say that in almost the exact same way. Like, yeah. not sure why this is one of our favorites, but it we is. We don't believe in guilty pleasures. Like, you just like what you like, however. Also, uh, um, one of my most favorite childhood films is The Gate. That was a Canadian oh, film. Oh. Was it? Yeah. Oh. So good. That's one of those ones I grew up on and saw when I was way too young. Um, I saw that way too old. I yeah, I, was... <laughs> I just saw it for the first time. What two years? Yeah, when I bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. Also, the Dead Zone, Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Yeah, I I love that movie so much. Stephen King's great. Still around. All right, you want to get into some movies here? Let's do it. What's the first one? You guys want to go chronologically, in terms of when they were uh, released, or alphabetically? Uh, we'll go alphabetically based off the third letter <laughs> of the first word in the title. Yeah, go chronologically. All right, so chronologically speaking... Um, okay, chronologically speaking, <laughs> I'm checking my notes here. First one is 1974 Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark. A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. Baby, 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 all right, 
So so good. Bob Clark also directed another Christmas movie. Do you know what it was? Christmas Story. Takes place in Cleveland, Ohio. Exactly. Yep. 60 miles west of where we're sitting right now. Um, he also did Porky's, which is weird to think that he did those three films. Yeah. <laughs> three of the most opposite films. But this movie's uh, starring Olivia Hussey, who I think she was in It. Yeah, she was in It, the TV uh, movie mm-hmm. version of It. Margot Kidder, who was in Amityville Horror, obviously. Uh, and John She's Saxon. great in that, too. Margot Kidder's so good in that. Oh, her character's yeah. great. SCTV here in Canada. Huh. That was like our SNL. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, it's we're like- both like quietly like... Trying not to say we don't know what you're talking about, but we nodding don't and blinking at each other over here. Yeah, SCTV. Yeah, uh, she it was like a SNL here. Huh. So she was on that. Margot Kidder was. No, wait, was Margot Kidder? No, not Margot Kidder. Sorry. Oh my God, the other the other sister with the the glasses, the other um, sorority sister with the glasses. Gotcha. I'm gonna hair. pull her up right now. Oh my God. No, no, I got your lifeline. I'm coming, Thanks. buddy. <laughs> Friends. <laughs> Friend. Um, oh, it's in my tongue. So the other mm. dude, though, John Saxon, who was in this, he was uh, yeah. in the the dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin. That's it. There we go. <laughs> Friend. <laughs> Woo. We got there. All right. So synopsis of this film: If you've not seen it, shut off the podcast. Go look in the mirror. Don't ever ask back. why you haven't seen this yet. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of contention around both this film as well as Texas Chainsaw as to like saying no, Halloween didn't do it first, we did. So this sure. was 1974, yeah. and it really established like the uh, serial killer POV sort of um, perspective that was later emulated, I think, by John Carpenter um, in 1978. Uh, but the Brief synopsis of this film is it's Christmas break and a group of sorority girls are being stalked by a stranger. I mean, that really sums it up. Yeah. And he keeps calling and the sound of that phone, holy shit, is so like... Just his voice on there. Oh. Yeah, but I, don't, I know you mean the phone itself. It's so abrasive. I, I think the, Always, the yeah. sound design on this film in general is... it's they're, yeah. It's almost like well, offensive at times, and the con- like what they're saying is also offensive. But the sound design itself is very aggressive. Yeah, when you well, like you have the Blu-ray, and so it's all redone and remastered, and the sound is just whew, like you guys are saying, it cuts through. And what honestly chills me every time I watch it is that early on scene, the first time you hear him talking, Margot Kidder is like go stick your tongue in the light socket or whatever. Yeah. And he's yeah. being really abrasive and brash. And at the end of that call, he gets very quiet and he just goes, I'm going to kill you. And then he hangs up. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, little... it, it, it's still, it still works today. Like it's still, I think I watch it at least once a year around Christmas. Yeah. And it's like, not, not very many movies do that to me anymore. Where like, I'm like, Oh, I really got to watch something like that. Cheers me up after this because it's just, <laughs> you know, it's still effective that his voice, all those phone calls, like it's just, yeah, I it don't is know. effective for sure. Yeah, it, it. I actually, I'm, I'm sure you guys recently watched it as well for this discussion, but I just watched it 
um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but uh, you're right. Like, it still works. And I watch it every year as well, and it's every time it's still effective. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was watching um, the Cursed Films documentary series on Shudder. Was this movie on there? It was not, but they talked a lot about production in the 1970s. Yeah. And how in the 1970s it was the Wild West, and people were just making stuff, and it was like, let's get contentious. Like, let's just do it. We're, we're going to do what we want. We're going to be cowboys about this. But I definitely think that this movie pushes a lot of boundaries. But the dialogue, the, the way the killer is talking, like what he's saying, the deaths, that bag over that woman's head sitting up in the attic, like... And there's, oh my god, her just rocking oh, in that chair. Rocking in oh, that chair. Fuck. That image and then is so ugh. When Aunt Phil or whatever the hell her name is, uh Miss, <laughs> Mrs. Mack climbs up in the <laughs> attic later on. Oh god. Also, she provides the one bit of like her and the other sorority sister provide the uh comic relief, like her with the booze. Yeah. Like when she lifts the toilet, the commode lid. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the book and all that. Uh well, Mickey's here with the was it twelve ounce of rum? <laughs> And and she, I, I this I don't know this movie it hits a lot voyeurism, sexism, oh for uh, sure abortion too I, yeah the, the abortion discussion theory, yeah yeah um, yeah it's I mean always topics but for for the year it came out like you know really um, like you said Wild West just not giving a shit going full tilt for sure held nothing back with that movie at all yeah but I was gonna still, it's, it's still it's it's done with a lot of um, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm thinking of here? Uh, like sophistication. It's done with a lot of class, if that makes sense. As even as like um, disturbing as some of those phone calls are, the film's just made very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you told me the guy that made Porky's was going to uh, cover these topics in a horror movie, I would expect it to be a lot more brash than yeah. than it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah act- I think there's testament. Dialogue is believable. Like you know. It's the acting for sure. The uh, acting, the, the, it always, always has to like has to be there, and it's exceptional in this one. I do think there's a weird intersection between writing and acting, obviously, um, and you can have no well-written stuff that's poorly have, acted and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like this is is a good combination of both for sure. I love even the little scenes like in the sheriff's office. Like, uh, when they see that she put Felicia as the phone number <laughs> and they're just like dying laughing. Like that one over the top cop is just like, it, he can't quit it's laughing. hilarious how they do minimize the, uh, like the importance of the police too. Like they, they just, they, uh, make it a yeah, total parody him, of like this. Yeah. And he's always it's almost like the cops in Halloween five, like do, 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 do. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> she comes in at like 7am. Yeah. 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 He's working, and he's also working at, like, 10 p.m. It's just... It's funny. Uh, I also thought it was interesting, the hockey mask. Hmm. When the kids... The guy's playing hockey, the one boyfriend. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously in 19... Uh, what, 80, 82? The masks I guess, were that. Yeah, like the Casey wasn't Jones. until part three. Oh, yeah. The Casey Jones, yeah. too. I didn't think of him. But, um... It's interesting to see yeah, that. Yeah, you can look at it almost like foreshadowing if you want to. You know what I mean? For sure. I I wanted it so bad yesterday when I was watching this. I was like, "Yep, Sean Cunningham definitely watched this film." Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. else uh, you guys want to talk about on Black Christmas before we jump to our next? 
I just want to say the last shot is so fucking oh, good. The, the way that that ends with the, just the house and it's it's almost like uh, not joyful is not the right word, but you know it's almost like a peaceful Christmas scene uh, that's following the mayhem that took place. I love it. And the phone's ringing. The yeah. phone just constant. Like yeah. I love that it cuts to the credits with just the phone ringing. So fucking good. They captured like lack of closure or safety completely. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when the film ends, that is the worst ending to a movie you want to watch before you're going to bed, or yeah. when you're driving home to your apartment building after seeing it at a theater, or like it just it leaves you there and there's no, you know that's that you know there's something bad. You know what I mean? Like nothing's been resolved. For sure. You know, they he they nailed that. That ending still gives me the creeps. So good. So good. Yeah. You it's definitely just, have to watch The Office or something after watching this because mm-hmm. something's got to make you feel better. Yeah. All right, so next movie, chronologically speaking. We're heading forward six years to one of the most interesting-looking men who actually looks like a penguin <laughs> um, but is not and is an Academy Award-winning actor to The Changeling, 1980. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Mm-hmm. So this is director, uh, directed by Peter Medic, I believe his name is, starring George C. Scott, Trish Vanderveer. And general overview of this film is this guy's wife and daughter die, and he's a music professor, and he moves to a new town post, post-mortem post of his uh, family. He's very upset and depressed, as one would be. Um, oh, that opening scene, man. I know. I oh, know. God. It's as a parent, you watch that, yeah. and it's like, I wouldn't be, I, I would die. Well, like, just like, imagine yeah. like, that happening, like, you're now alone. And you're going to rent the biggest fucking scariest house for like what? what? If I, if that I happened have so to many me, I would move to, in to your bedroom with you. Yeah, exactly. I would like, move into like hey, a dude, studio. Is it cool fucking, if I just yeah. sleep down here? Is that yeah. good? Ugh. I wouldn't rent the fucking Overlook Hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie uh, has a lot of parallels to The Shining for me. I think so too. I see a lot of The Shining in it. So Matt, you were, to say, you were saying you found this one later in life, right? Pardon me. You were saying that you found this film later in life. Yeah, well, I'd always known about it just from the poster. I remember seeing the poster around everywhere, and I knew that it was a Canadian film. Um, but it wasn't until um, when I became good friends with Ghoulish Gary. This is actually one of his like I don't know if it's his number one favorite horror movie, but it's like if it's not, it's two or three. Um, and he swears by it as being the scariest film still to this day that he's ever seen. Like it still gets to him. So it bothers him when he watches huh. it. Um, and I, I hope he's cool with me, me saying this, but he's actually, he's got this beautiful Victorian old Victorian house on Victorian staircase, right in his house. And right at the top of the stairs is the poster of the changeling with the little red ball. Oh man. Oh, like that ball. That, that, yeah. The ball. I mean, the staircase in general is the most prominent part of this film, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. It's yeah, it's um, it's a slow burn, but it is such a sophisticated film. It is a completely for me. I think I, I watched it again today just just to like firm up 
because I knew we were going to be discussing it. Um, but I find it is it's there's so many aspects of this film that you don't think would work just in terms of like, OK, well, on the surface, it's like your classic haunted house story. But then the lead is like a 65 year old man. Um, yeah. You know, it's very it's very old feeling. The film feels very oldie timey. Do you know what I mean? You don't think that it's, it it's going to it's almost but like it's, Hitchcockian a bit. Um, everything's very brown. Do you know what I mean? Like it's washed out. Like it just it has this. You don't think it's gonna. It looks more like a British crime thriller or something. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's good weird. description. Yeah, but it has that that feeling to it. And, and then when shit starts to happen in the film, it works. It works so well. Um, and it's again this is a big upside I have to give to sound design on this film as well it just knows just how to rattle you but Gary was actually the one he's like you gotta watch you got, you've never seen The Changeling you've gotta watch The Changeling you've gotta watch it and so I watched it it was either early, late last year I think it was late last year I saw it and at, the first time I watched it was on Last Drive-In I watched it with Joe oh, Bob oh nice yeah yeah which which made it a lot more like okay you know what I mean <laughs> because there's some there's some heavy stuff in that movie so having those Joe Bob Briggs breaks are are pretty good. Yeah, I I, I have uh, sound design written in all caps on my uh, my show notes here, and I also have George George C. Scott written in all caps. And I think that guy's presence is so dominant and confident, and he's such a great actor, and he's so he's so like for I feel like he would be a really like tough grandpa to have. Or like a mm. tough uncle to have, and he'd come to your baseball game and be like, "You know you're better than that. Slide with your head down." You know, like I feel uh, that he's a very prominent force, and uh, he, he's just such a great presence in this film. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's crazy that this film is completely carried by him, and, and but he does it, and he does it so well. You know, it's just you think it'd be hard for people to keep their interest, especially. I don't know, because it is such a slow burn, but he just he does it magnificently. Yeah, and I the scene where he's like crying in his bed too, and that's when he oh, hears God. like the banging on the pipes. Oh God, you just feel for him. So it just yeah. it just shows his his diversity as an actor. Um, I had a couple scenes noted I wanted to mention uh, the the scene with the median um, when she's there. Oh. How impactful what is that? Powerful scene that is. Yeah writing on the paper and I feel like the the later Lin Shea character it's just such a a foundation for that and I, I think that's such a impactful character that was replicated so many times over the past 15 years yeah. you know like I always thought of like I mean this is pre Poltergeist too like this is that that whole seance yeah. scene feels like oh. that was probably one of the first that was because it was it's, I mean we've seen it a hundred times over now that the seance with the moving objects in the room but I can't recall a film that did it that good or even did it at all before this one when I really, when I try to think about it. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people took notes from this movie. Oh, no doubt. Like when I was watching that today, that seance scene stuck out like still yeah. so fucking scary. Even with the redundancy that is the seance scene now, still so scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so Amityville came out what? Uh, 79 maybe? year before but it wasn't until later there was no seance scene in amityville there just was the priest i guess he was trying to exercise it yeah yeah so this has 
I suppose elements of that, but no, I, I feel like the tone and the photography on this is exactly like you described it, Matt, like a British crime drama almost. Yeah. Uh, it's a slow burn, but yeah, this it's, fun, is... it's funny you mentioned Amityville though, because that attic window reminded me so much of Amityville, oh, the dude. stained glass. I, if you told me right now with you here, my wife here and both my kids sleeping upstairs, if you looked at me right now, Jamie and said, Hey, can you go grab uh, the Christmas wreath from the attic? I would be looking over my shoulder the entire time. Yeah, that guy no. lives in that big-ass house alone. His family's <laughs> yeah. dead, and he's going up there looking through shit. And not only that, he breaks. It. He has to, like, break into it in the middle of the... Ugh, no. No thanks. Not doing it. Dude, there are still some, some nights in my house where, like, I always end up falling, almost falling asleep on the couch. Like, I'll watch something because I have to fall asleep watching something, or else my brain just goes and goes and goes. I am the same. So, you know, and I do watch a lot of horror and stuff, and so there's some nights where I'm like, I'm falling asleep on the couch, I'm like, okay, I gotta go to bed, and I, I turn off the living room light, and then I have to walk to our hallway where the stairs are, and, like, we have, like, mirrors all, like, a mirror oh, on this God. wall. <laughs> so, but I, and I know, there's been a few times where I, I <laughs> caught my own reflection in the mirror, like, like, oh, fuck, you know, and so, <laughs> and so, like, I know, even though I know it's gonna be me, I see, I do that, like, boop, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> stairs past it like I, i'm you know i'm in my 30s and i still do that shit so. <laughs> yeah i have a my office is in the basement which is where the podcast studio is and i've got a big chair down here and this is where i'll watch the movies for the show and i'll like take show notes and i fall asleep in this chair quite often and i scamper up those basement steps quite fast some nights depending on yeah. what was on <laughs> the, sca- the scariest is when you have to shut the lights off like from the basement and then you have to go up the steps in the dark. Do you remember when we watched like, ah. the fucking? You like, screwed 40, me that night. And, uh, I mean, I'm not forty, but it's like I'm almost, I'm almost forty, and I'm so scared. When we watched uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes or whatever, oh, yeah. and you're like, "Hey, we should pop this on," and then you fell asleep, I fell asleep and I watched the yet. whole movie alone, <laughs> and then had to go to my car and drive home. John, John, I don't really know what this means, but John said he was crab walking outside to his car. Oh, dude, it's because there was shit in my pants. Have you seen, have you seen the Poughkeepsie tape shit? Yeah, that's one of those movies I'll, I'll never watch more than the one time. Uh, no, no, never. Yeah, I only again. watched it the once. That's all never. I'll do. Yeah. And in fact, if you said to me like, "I want to talk about the Poughkeepsie," it wasn't a Canadian film, I don't think. But if you wanted to cover that on this, I probably would have been like, uh, "My dad said I'm not allowed. I can't talk about that." <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where like, if you bought that for me on Blu-ray, I'd be like, "Why?" Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, do you have a receipt? <laughs> you have a g- gift receipt for that? <laughs> All right, let's get to our last film. I have a stat, or a, I keep saying stat. It's not a stat. I have a fact to share that you guys are probably going to be underwhelmed by. Yeah. Jamie, introduce our last film here. Okay, this one is this is amazing. Uh, this is a super fun one. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, jeez. Whoa, Jesus. Did you see the way those guys looked at us? Who wants to go skinny dipping? No. We got your friend. They captured Allison. Yes. 2010. Directed by Eli. You can't, can't read, read my your notes. writing. Okay. Well, IMDb. Craig. Eli Craig. Eli Craig. Starring Tyler Labine, 
Alan Tudyk and Katrina Bowden. So, Maddie, great pick here. Uh, yeah, man, this is a great pick. Flirting so, with other so films, and then you said, no, this isn't a lesser known one. So, yeah, why don't, why don't you give your uh, perspective on this, man? Um, I can't remember when I first saw the film. I feel like it was probably later in the summer. I used to do Fan Expo in Toronto, and um, there was this part of Fan Expo, which is like, you know, RSDCC here. It's pretty huge. Um, where there would be a whole section called Festival of Fear run by Rue Morgue, Rue Morgue magazine. Sure. And yeah. so like, literally like half of the con was horror and it was so extravagant and so awesome. It's like pretty much gone now, but uh, there would always be advertisements for like indie, upcoming indie films and stuff. And I remember seeing a poster for it, I think there. And I was like, I got to check this movie out because I love Tyler Labine. Now you guys might not know, I don't know if you had it up there in America, but, or down there in America, I mean, and um, have you ever have a show called Breaker High? No. I mean, potentially, uh, yeah, I but really I, don't, I don't know that either. show, no. Okay, so this show, Breaker High, was a Canadian high school teen show. came on every morning before school, and it's about a, a high school on a boat. <laughs> okay, <it's> on a, <laughs> and the two main characters are Tyler Labine and Ryan Gosling. Oh, no shit. Is Ryan Gosling Canadian? Yes. Oh, uh, um, dude, all the good ones are Canadian. You're welcome. So anyways. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and, and Tyler Labine, he was the comic relief on the show. It was this character named Jimmy. And he had like this one-liner where anytime Ryan Gosling dissed someone, he'd go, oh, that burn's going to need some ice. <laughs> <laughs> You're a kid. It's, it's fucking hysterical. And I mean, just look at Tyler Labine, right? He's just, he's just a funny dude, so... He would just kill it. Anyways, I loved him in that show. So when I saw him on that poster, and I hadn't watched Breaker High since I was a kid, I was like, "Oh my god, I got to check this out." And um, and I watched it. And yeah, it's a little it's a little horror film. Like I would have loved to see it have a, a little bit of a bigger budget, but what they did with what they had was so good. Oh my god, it's, in, it's, so it's incredible. And and it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and I just loved it. And it's you know like we were talking about before, just to end the list on on a, on a feel good horror movie, you know. Yeah, that the character of Dale, uh, which is played by Tyler Bean, he he's just like guy. such a sweetheart. He's yeah. just such a kind hearted um and when when she like wakes up from her <laughs> being hit in the head and he He's like, You don't like pancakes, you don't like pancakes <laughs> I'll make you something else. And he's yeah. just like stuttering and he she's like, What's your name? And he was like Ducker, uh, tail, uh, and he—it's just—I don't know. He's—he's he's such a wonderful character, and he's uh, very kind-hearted. Um, yeah, if there's any scene he's in is is gold. He doesn't—he doesn't miss a beat in the film. The guy from—did you ever watch the show, Matt, uh, called Harper's Island? No, but I know about it. Oh, dude, you gotta check it out. Oh, yeah, it's—it's it's worth a watch. Um, but the the guy with the dreadlocks who was also on The Killing is in this. Um. And he was also in Harper's Island, so he's a yes. cool character actor. He kind of always plays the same guy. I remember but. I watched this right around the same time as Harper's Island. And I remember saying, like, God, this is... Because when I watched Harper's Island, it was after The Killing, and I was like, there's the guy from The Killing. Yeah. And then... And he he's a he's a good actor. I like him. Uh, but, again, he's like character actor, and he kind of always like plays the same yeah. character. Are you talking about, uh, what is it, Alan Tudyk? Um, you mean, you're talking about the guy who plays Tucker? 
No, 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 no. no. The one of the teens with like he's uh with the dreads. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything. Did you watch? You, so you didn't watch the killing, the show, the killing. I did see the killing. That's the first season. He's the teacher in the killing. Yeah, the teacher oh in the. God. It was the first. Yeah. 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 Oh man, I didn't even put that together. His name is Brandon J. McLaren. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you like the killing, Matt? It's kind of a little bit like Twin Peaks. Yes, I did like the killing. Oh, uh, I loved it. Good. Really, really, really good. Um, very. Yeah, it had that that moody blue vibe too. It was. It, it's really like that. Was did it take place in like? Was it supposed to take place in like Washington? Seattle. Like, yeah. I think it was like a Seattle. Yeah. It honestly was. It birth, nailed that vibe too. Birth from the same. Uh, yeah. concept of Twin Peaks for sure I didn't watch the I think there was, is there two more seasons that are different storylines they all interweave but yeah I think there are three seasons total yeah I haven't seen the other ones but yeah that first one was great because I think Netflix, it got cancelled after two or cancelled after three and season four was Netflix or one something. of those either yeah. after two and three but <laughs> the second season got a lot of flack uh, it started off kind of slow but I still loved it and then the third season picked right up the problem the for me with the second season is like any depiction and X Files does the same thing. Anytime a Native American is depicted, it's always like when the eagle comes from yeah, the yeah, earth yeah, and flaps did, yeah. its. And it's like, come yeah. on, guys, can we do a different depiction they of a Native American? Far, yeah. yeah, it's just just super racist. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the show's good enough. But uh, but back to this movie. I love that the main guy, who's such a fucking douche, the main teen, his name is Chad. Like yeah. it's just so perfect because he is a Chad. My friend Chad Tibbetts, <laughs> also a large fan of Dead and Divine, actually, is the one that referred this movie to me. And he said after it came out, everyone at work started to say, "Oh, that guy's such a Chad," as like a a diss. And he was like, yeah. "God damn it! If this becomes a thing." <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, are you guys ready for my fact? Yes. I'm going to let it, I'm going to give it a couple beats just to okay. allow some suspense. All right. Okay. So, Katrina Bowden, the main character, the lead. Allison? Allison. Okay. She's married to somebody that was in a band. Okay. From New Jersey. Uh, no, they're from New Jersey. Thursday. No, Armor for Sleep. Do you remember that band? Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Man, Armor for Sleep. Yeah. So, that so record, good. Uh, what to Do When You're Dead it was a great record. And just one of the... Great I, concept I listen album. to that to this day. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was so... It's a album for me, though. So just... Yeah, God. Such a great, great, yeah. uh, great album. But when I saw that, I honestly found that out last night, sitting in that chair watching it in here, and I was like, oh my God. That's so relevant. So she's married to who? The singer? I don't know, just someone in the band. No, this matters. Well, shit, I don't. I'm not totally prepared. <laughs> Boy, you come with this this next killer episode, stat that you've been previewing for like an hour. The next episode, we're going to cover just their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Play ki- clips from their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. That was my factoid. Um, <laughs> but do you guys have a favorite kill in this? Because there are a lot of deaths. It's mm. a good question. I think mine is the wood chipper. That's what I have written yeah. down right here, too. I peeked at your notes. No, I, oh, I did. No, I, I did it. I swear to God. That's why I wrote Armour always John, really always, John is so protective of his fucking notebook. He's always like, he always thinks I'm going to, like, if I look in that direction, I see him, like, move his arm over. It's like, what the fuck? Don't copy my test. 
wood, the wood chipper's good because uh, Tucker, like, his interaction with him, like, he's like, you okay? You okay? <laughs> yeah, as he's... <laughs> he doesn't know if he should push the legs in or, like, pull them out. And he's so, yeah, like, yeah. emphatically yanking on them, too. And the view from the, the other... And I love how they call him college kids the entire time. The entire time, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, I think the spear one's pretty good, too. Oh, and the pit? The dude's... Something. Yes. And yeah. slowly sliding down and Tyler Levine's underneath him. Ah! Yeah. And I love how he accidentally <laughs> hits her in the head with a shovel just before that happens. <laughs> to knock her unconscious. <laughs> that whole interaction with the cop when he, he catches them holding the legs and then Tyler Levine just, is just like uh, mouth vomiting everywhere. Like, <laughs> the, the girl that's in, in our house, in my bedroom, you just see like Tucker just like laughing unco- uncomfortably like patting him on the shoulder like shut up shut up <laughs> that whole se- um, sequence is just gold that movie was br- brilliantly done like so well just done just the way so fun that they designed all the deaths to make them look like the culprits and then as you said like everything Tyler the Bean says is like just so self-incriminating it's perfect yeah yeah <laughs> oh and when the cop pulls them over in the beginning too He's like, my shirt's stuck, and then he has to take his shirt off. <laughs> I got some yeah. vibes. Like, uh, are you a fan, Matt, of Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon? I saw, I saw it once when it came out, and I don't remember a thing about it, but I know oh that it's. Oh my God, uh, dude. You need to re- revisit that for sure. Yes. Yeah. You must. It's so good. Yeah, Leslie Vernon. Oh my God. That's so a, that's a really good one. Yeah. It's a fun, funny one. Um, I remember, doesn't Robert England do a cameo in that? He does. Yeah, he's yeah. in it. What's he's like the, a retired serial killer or something, right? No, he's not. What's the term that they use for? You have. He's a, like the the. the he's not the detective. He's the like, Loomis. He's the Loomis. Yep. Yeah. He's. Oh. Okay. The there's a, there's another actor Myers. I don't know his name but a guy that like you know from a million things that is the retired serial killer. It's not Kane Hodder. It's an older. No no no. The, no it's okay, old. the guy that's a re- retired serial killer is, is also who? in Exorcist Three. He's the guy that's chain smoking cigarettes in Exorcist Three. Yes. Yeah, which has come up like fourteen times today. Guy chain smoking cigarettes in Exorcist Three. Yeah, he's like the doctor in Exorcist Three, and he uh, every scene has a cigarette. And there's one specific scene where he lights a cigarette with a cigarette that he's getting. Oh, did you watch The Walking Dead? I can't remember. I just watched that movie, too. Did you watch The Walking Dead, Matt? I watched it up until... What season was it? The season season where... Spoilers for anyone who hasn't, but I think the whole world has, where Negan kills... um, Okay, okay. Yeah, Yeah, you... He's, like that big, that big season opener, you know, that was like super shocking. That season, yeah. I, and then I stopped. I just couldn't keep up with it at that point. What was his name in? Oh, he's the guy that has the farmhouse. The guy that had the farmhouse with the daughters who gets his leg amputated. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah, think yeah. of his name. That's him. He's the resi- he's the retired sewer serial killer in. Less oh, than and he's, he chops up that like carrot really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know his name, but that's him. We watched that then. I have IMDb pulled up in front of me, but we'll let uh, everyone Scott complain Wilson as is they Scott listen to Wilson. this. Scott <laughs> Wilson. And he passed away, didn't he? Oh my god, did he? Yeah, in real life. Oh. Didn't he? Mom's positive. A few years ago he passed away. That's a sad thing. 
Let's see, I'm pulling it up right here. We're both staring at the screen with, like, holding our breath. Ugh, he did. Yeah. October October 8th. October 6th. 6th. 2018. Yeah. Alright, so this uh, episode's in... Memoriam of Scott Wilson. Um, so Matt, we would love to have you back on the show at a future time. Um, Absolutely, I'd love to. This was a blast. Maybe we'll talk. I know we talked through a few episode ideas. I think we uh, all share a love for the X Files, so maybe we could do like a top five X Files episode. Oh my god, that would be great. Or something. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'd um, actually love to watch that whole series again. Oh. Well, if let's you start just do an now, episode where we uh, rewatch the entire series together. Yeah, it'll only take like four and a half days. Yeah. No one will sleep. Just a commentary. Yeah. A series. Yeah, I, think I, was telling, I, was telling, I should. Well, you, if you've seen it enough, then you know. But I've only ever watched the whole series once, all the way through. Like other than growing up with it, watching it. Oh. There's a great list online. It's like a, the binge guide to X Files, and it it tells you which episodes not to bother with. Um, like because there are some. There's quite a bit of filler. But yeah, I mean, Jersey like, Devil. Yeah, like out of like let's say a twenty-four episode season, it'll say watch like eighteen episodes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, there and, are definitely it, some junkers in there for, for sure. sure. Yeah, because I tried watching some that sounded good, and I was like, oh no, yep, they're right. <laughs> and like, don't hold. They've cut out a lot of ones that don't hold any continuity, like to the like, or that don't. You know, like there are some episodes that you have to watch that are bad because it, you know it's that continuing story of you know. Mulder and Scully or, or whatever, but yeah, it's a good list. I should, I'll track it down and send it to you guys. Yeah, that yeah. overall mythology. Some of those mm-hmm. are my least favorite as well. Honestly, yeah, I I don't want to... I'm just going to speak my mind here, but I, I do like the Monster of the Week episodes more than the mythology yeah. on the on the whole. I but. agree. Mm-hmm. Like, Home is one of the best yeah, episodes dude. of any television show ever, in my it, opinion. Eugene, uh, the Tombs episodes, like, Eugene Tombs, that guy's an actual creep in real life, so I don't mm. know if he was acting. I think they actually found him underneath a escalator at a mall and said, <laughs> do you want to be in this episode? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll hit that. But uh, we're going to do a, a, a giveaway with one of your prints. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back. But we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Well, and I, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me, man. It's such a pleasure. 